0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, this month is Reformation Month on October 31st, long before Americans had celebrated Halloween. It has long been remembered by Protestants as the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses against the Roman Catholic Church to that church door in Wittenberg, Germany, sparking the Protestant Reformation. Now, this wasn't just a 16th century debate. This is actually a debate that runs right through the heart of every single Christian. I really believe that every Christian, either in theology or practice, is prone to either legalism or antinomianism, because that is what the natural man is accustomed to. And that's what we're talking about in these last two weeks. We've been talking about legalism and antinomianism, and the reason why is because in our upcoming conference on November 8th and 9th, our third session is going to deal with this very issue.
1: And I I just continue to remind people, it's not like people are going to come up and say, yeah, my name's Joe, and, and by the way, I just wanted you to know I'm a legalist. I, mean, I just that, want you not, to know I'm an antinomian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean that's not how we work. Yeah. So we, we end up in these positions or we, we live in these positions where we might not be able even to articulate them or to be even aware that that we or others are there. Yeah. So We're, we really, are using yeah. terms that nobody else is going around saying I'm extremely proud to be a legalist. Yeah. That's right. You know, so. we do
2: you know, that's the idea of we well, I do religion or um you know I, just, I do I what do, I please I do what I I do what I please and I know that God's forgiven me
0: yep yeah. and, and here's the thing so if we look in the in the New Testament record we have uh, a picture of an apostle Peter himself who was often falling off the wagon of the gospel. I mean, either into yeah. legalism or antinomianism. I and mean, just pick a book. I mean, either before Christ had you know was crucified and ascended in heaven, he was constantly stepping into it. And then after the ascension, he was stepping into it. After that, in fact, that the the whole controversy in the book of of Galatians is because of Peter's defection from the gospel. Yeah,
2: and and Paul had to confront him to his face about you know that that very thing. He had a- added this. Jewish requirement yep. uh, to the, you know, or he would st- actually, he didn't do that so much as he kind of sat with them and gave them
0: um, support in one sense. Right. So if the apostle needed correction, then certainly we need correction. Right. We, we need gospel clarification. Mm-hmm. We need clarification on what these terms mean. So let's let's ask our question for the day. So here is our first one. Can we... <laughs> Be obedient to God in this life. So let me, everybody's like, oh yeah, of course we can. But but let's ask a, a clarifying question. Is everything we do no more than a filthy rag in God's sight? Is there a place for imperfect yet sincere, pleasing obedience in the Christian life?
1: Um, in the particular church I, I go to, we subscribe to the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, and there's this great question about this it, Uh, About can we live in in obedience? And the answer is that in this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. So we just have a small beginning. But it goes on to say, nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some, of God's commandments. So yeah, we, we do live lives of obedience, and we do please God by that obedience. And I think sometimes there have been those that I think they mean well, um, but they end up quoting Isaiah that all of our righteousness is is as filthy rags, and so then you you get the impression well that everything I do is is worthless, everything that I do is 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 doesn't have any meaning, everything that I do in essence um, is so tinged with sin that it, it's not pleasing in God's sight,
2: and and that's really a pre conversion aspect of our righteousness we by nature we try you know we we have this you know we want to be right with god on our own standard on our own righteousness and uh, you know we don't often you know before christ has come into our life before we have the regenerating work of the holy spirit you know that's our the inclination is to make ourselves right to choose our form of religion mm-hmm. you know and make god into our own image so that we're making ourselves right on and that righteousness is filthy rags it mm-hmm. it means nothing it's you know it's
0: i think this is where it just nuance matters because <clears throat> yeah. if we're asking the question can i please god in terms of my own inherent righteousness in order to be justified the answer is no because i don't have any mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if the question is, is can i please god as a christian then the answer of course is yes yeah um, I, I've quoted that verse before um, to believers about um, our righteousness being as filthy rags. But my emphasis and where I was aiming at was, was to those Christians who are putting so much mm-hmm. weight on their own
1: effort. Right.
0: So I am kind of speaking to the legalist at that point, mm-hmm. and I'm reminding him of his justification. But I, I know what you're saying, though.
1: Well, Kevin DeYoung, we're going to give the, this book away at the conference, The Hole in Our Holiness. So go to reformationpoise.com and, and register, and, and you could get this book. But – he is quoting um, John Piper at this point, but it, the whole section is filthy rags or fully pleasing, question mark. Mm-hmm. And then he quotes John Piper. Sometimes people are careless and speak despairingly of all human righteousness as if there was no such thing that pleased God. They often cite Isaiah 64, which says our righteousness is as filthy rags. It is true, gloriously true, that none of God's people, before or after the cross, would be accepted by our immaculate holy God if The perfect righteousness of Christ was not imputed to us, but that does not mean that God does not produce in those justified people before and after the cross an experiential righteousness that is not filthy rags. In fact, he does, and this is righteousness, and this righteousness is precious to God and is required, not as the ground of our justification. That's the righteousness of Christ. Yep, But as an evidence of our being truly justified children of God. Mm-hmm. And Kevin DeYoung then goes on to say, but as born again believers, it is possible to please God by his grace. Mm-hmm. It's just a yeah. wonderful section of and, the book that can be yours yeah, you can and up. God
2: and God and God looks upon that, that imperfect righteousness that is being directed toward him. You know, I've, some of the radio listeners know that i'm going through cancer right now i've got colon cancer i've got a i've got a, a granddaughter that's just entering kindergarten and i get c- cards from her i can't read anything on that page her mom has to translate it to me that and she it's not get well get well cards it's feel better papa cards and uh, you know i i save those things because it pleases me that this is the inclination of our heart, yeah, this is what she wants. and what we do pleases God because that's the inclination of our heart. You know we may offer up a imperfect obedience to him, but the inclination of our heart is to is to do the things the The thing that I want to do is to please him. that's right,
0: all right, well, let's throw a grenade then in the room. you guys already kind of touched on this a little bit, but um let's ask the next question: Are good works necessary? for salvation
2: there they, there's certainly an um a, a view of whether we are saved you know because in the sense that you know we're we're saved apart from works but those good works do follow we've already quoted from ephesians that he has created us uh, unto good works those things do follow so there's a there's a there's a Oh, what, what's the word I want? Uh, there is a, there is a, uh, a, there's some empirical evidence that this has actually taken place in our heart. So, in that sense, yes, there is. You know, if it hasn't, if there are no works, you know, we may not even have Christ. So, that, yes.
1: So, if you're writing an equation and you would say works plus faith equals salvation, that's a bad equation. Yes. But if if you would say faith equals salvation plus works, that's a good equation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea is, and this is what Jonathan's saying, is if if you profess faith, but your life has no evidence of good works, then one has to wonder if you actually possess faith, if you actually have it. Because the result of faith will be a life that is transformed a life of renewal a life of holiness i mean this is why the book of hebrews says that without holiness we no cannot see god. we can't see god yeah. right and, and, and so the and word so, necessary
0: is very important <clears throat> or, uh, the question is necessary to what so we're not good works are not necessary for our justification they're necessary as a fruit that will follow from our justification. In right. other words, all justified. Which is the book of James. Right, right. All justified Christians will produce good works. Right. It's impossible that they would not.
2: You know, and this is one of the problems we were talking about legalism, antinomias, and the problem with uh is basically he may want his ticket punch to heaven, but he really doesn't want God. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, In in essence, he's proving that he doesn't have Christ in his life very often.
0: So would you guys, do you guys think that somebody might, listening to us right now, that they might say that we sound like legalists by saying that good works are a necessary fruit of salvation? And if so, how would you answer that?
1: There are. There is always the danger when you talk about a life of obedience, a life of holiness, a life of uh, that where in which we do desire to to do the what God has commanded in His moral law. That that makes you sound like a, a legalist. That is true, um, but you have to to get underneath and say, well, what's the motivation? And the motivation is the the powerful transformational work of the gospel. And all of the the fruit that comes from our union with Christ and, and the, the great fruit, I mean the joy really, uh, is that now I can live as what God created me to be is an image bearer. Yeah. And so it's the great joy of being able to actually live up to the high calling that I have as a created being of God that now I can finally be what I was supposed to be, which was one that bears his image. And I bear that image because of the great work of Christ. Um, it's not for me. I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'm not a legalist. Hopefully I'm one that is desperately in love with, with God because of the great work of Jesus Christ.
2: And I think that when we go through, um, and when we're preaching expositionally through passages of the Bible, um, you know, we get to places like you know the end of Romans 5 and the beginning of uh, Romans 6. And... And into Romans five is telling us, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then chapter six says, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound?" By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And and it, you know, in one sense, when we're preaching about the grace of Christ, you know, that might be a response. Well. You know, if, you know the antinomian response well if i'm I'm forgiven and and grace abounds where sin you know, grace covers all of my sin you know then it really doesn't matter and actually we should actually, be in danger i mean somebody should be able to say is this what you're saying so that we can say god forbid (laughs) you know that's not what we're saying but i want you to get it right that that god's grace god's love covers your sin just as i want you to get it right that you've been called to holiness and without holiness you won't see god
0: Mm -hmm. that's right Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Please go to ReformationBoise.com to sign up for our conference coming up November 8th and 9th. This is free. You'll be able to uh, join with other Christians around the Treasure Valley um, to come and hear two great speakers on In Christ Alone. That's our theme this year. Get a free book. Um, We hope to see you there. ReformationBoise.com. We'll talk to you next time. Mm
1: -hmm.